This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting and Sales EQ, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. There are two types of salespeople in the world, rainmakers and rain barrels. Rain barrels sit around with their mouths to the sky, hoping they'll get lucky and something will drop in. Rainmakers take control, take action, and make their own luck. In this year's virtual sales kickoff, Mike Weinberg, Mark Hunter, Anthony Anarino, and myself dispelled the myths about how opportunities are created, what salespeople really need to do to be successful, and how you can control your own destiny. On this episode, you're going to learn the real secrets to becoming a rainmaker, how to maximize your income, and how to crush your sales number. Now, here's Virtual Sales Kickoff 2019. This is the 2019 Virtual Sales Kickoff, and this is the fourth annual Virtual Sales Kickoff that you're joining right now. This is about rain barrels and rainmakers today, and it's rainmakers versus rain barrels. And we're going to start to draw a contrast here. You know what we do on this show. If you've been here before, you know that we're going to give you practical, tactical, actionable insights and ideas. You know we're going to have a round robin where people are going to get to decide what their opinions are about these things and talk about them. We'll probably have what I'll say is uh, some little arguments that'll happen while we do this because that's always fun. And we're going to talk about a number of things that you can just put to work right away because that's what we want to give you, just pure value here. So I want to start by dispelling the myths about how opportunities are created. And I'm going to go to Mike Weinberg first because if there's anyone who has strong opinions about opportunity creation, you're already smiling, Mike. Uh, It's Mike Weinberg. So dispel the myths. What are people hearing that's not true that's causing them to have challenges creating new opportunities and building a pipeline? Oh, wow. (laughs) How about 80% of what they're reading on LinkedIn is not true, right? Everything from wackos uh, telling you that you should follow the lead of Kylie Jenner, right? Because she built her net worth to a billion dollars posting selfies on Instagram to the nonsense from people that claim to be international best-selling authors telling you how dare you ever think about annoying or interrupting a buyer that it's much better to have people running to you a lo- you know a loyal tribe of followers um it's a, absolutely a mess there are there are more myths than you can imagine uh, we all know this right i mean in, in all of our clients the the top producers are laser focused on creating their own opportunities they take full responsibility for filling the top of the funnel anthony you always talk about uh, one of the biggest issues that's is salespeople are opportunity starved Right, and the, and the reason they're starved is because they're sitting on their butt and they're waiting, and they're commenting on LinkedIn groups, and they're they're listening to the nonsense that tells you it's inappropriate today to interrupt somebody, which drives me crazy. Because if your if your motivation to sell is pure, because you believe you have a better outcome for them, and your prospect is probably stuck in some suboptimal situation, man, it's incumbent on you to prospect to do everything possible to get that meeting because you can bring them value because they need you. I'm going to move to to Jeb Blunt because I know uh, I'm, I may be doing this in order of the strongest feelings because uh, you've got the wrong book up for this. We should have fanatical prospecting up behind you. 
but but you do have strong opinions about what opportunity creation means. Well, let's start with, <laughs> Mike said myth. One of the greatest myths is people who call themselves international best-selling authors. Uh, there's enough of those out there that I'm an international best-selling author, and you've written one book, and your book has four reviews on it, and it's ranked 2.7 million on Amazon. I'm, I'm incredulous of all of the best-selling authors. It's, it's, I don't even know where, where to begin. And that's just like all the people that call themselves sales experts. If, they, if you, someone calls themselves a sales expert, go check their resume, which is typically on LinkedIn. And usually they've had one sales job. They, one sales job. And I don't know how in one sales job you become an expert in sales. Uh, usually that means that you sucked at your sales job and you suck so bad that they fired your ass. And now you have to go be an expert in order to try to make some sort of a living. Uh, so you need to be careful about who you're taking advice from to begin with. And it's just like, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I invest my money. I don't invest my money with a financial advisor whose finances are a disaster. I invest my money with financial advisors and lawyers and accountants who, who as you know, themselves have a high net worth and do a really good job with their money. I want to spend my time and ex effort with experts who are really experts. So that's number one. Number two is understanding what a rainmaker is. So we're talking about ultra high performance. Being a rainmaker means that you're delivering for your company and you're delivering for your family and yourself. So that means that you are at the top of the ranking report. That means that every day you're crushing it. You're hitting your number. You have the trust of your leadership team. You're going to President's Club. You're getting the awards. You're getting the spiffs. You're getting the money. And you're taking home a ton of commissions to your family. And the good news is that most rainmakers, they already know the truth. They know exactly what it takes to fill up the pipeline. And, and that requires them to consistently, every day, every day, every day, interrupt people. And look, there's a ton of channels that you can do that with. You can knock on a door. You can send a smoke signal. You can use the telephone. You can use social media. It is a good medium to use. You can use text messaging. You can use networking. You can go to events. You can go to trade shows. You can do all kinds of things. But if you look at the rainmakers in your company, the people that are making the most money, those folks are using all of the above and they're doing it relentlessly. You're getting an wow. applause uh, break from Mike Weinberg. Mark Hunter. Well, here's the whole thing. Sales is not about customer service. Sales is about creating incremental opportunities. And that means you've got to get in the face of people. And, you know, if you've got the ability to help somebody, you have the responsibility to get in their face. You have the responsibility to interrupt them. It's not about sitting back, well, let me just post something on social media. Let me just do all this. I'm going to share a quick story. My daughter was telling me that she looked outside the window of her house recently saw a neighbor's house was on fire. Now she didn't know the neighbor. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Well, 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 let me connect. You know, she didn't connect with them on Facebook and send them some posting. No, no, no. She called 911 and went over there and made sure those people were out of that house. If you have the ability to help somebody, it is your responsibility. And for those who sit there and say, oh, the telephone doesn't work. You know, the people who say that are the ones who are afraid. A few weeks ago, Tesla announced that they're closing their stores, you know, and, and they're going to go online. And, and, I, and I threw a little piece out on social media just to see what, and, and this guy where it's back says, well, I hate salespeople. I hate salespeople. I want to buy everything online. You know what the dude's job was? A sales job. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. I, I feel like at some point I have to say, uh, 
unleash the Kraken or uh, or Angry Mark. I mean, we're starting to get to, we're getting him close. Look, he's still catching his breath from that. Uh, here's my here here's my myth. The myth I think that's doing the most damage is that prospecting is something that's passive, reactive, that requires you to wait, and is someone else's job to drive those opportunities to your inbox or to your phone because it's just not going to happen. And all of us know it's not going to happen. So I want to pivot from what people are being told that's harming them to what do we see as best practices? When you, when you look at the salespeople and the companies that are generating not only the highest number of opportunities, enough opportunities that they're able to reach goals, but also the highest quality opportunities, which is another category altogether because everyone on this group I already know, uh, we all believe that there's a difference between a target and a lead. And, and that there's a, a huge disparity between what people think they should be focusing their time on. So Jeb Blunt, if you were to, to talk about what you see, the ultra high performer in your world, what are those companies doing? What are the best practices that allow them to over-index on results? Well, one of the, the, the keys to over-indexing on results or being a, a rainmaker is working on the right opportunities at the right time with the right message. So, for example, they segment their, their, their prospects out. So we, we look at prospect segmentation on really three different planes. So one plane is um, high prob- probability. So what is the probability that right now there's a window of opportunity that would give you a high probability of moving that prospect into your pipeline? The next segmentation is potential. So what's the potential? So we look at high probability, medium probability, low probability. We also look at high potential, medium potential, low potential. So if I have a high probability, high potential account, that's where I want to focus my attention because that account is most likely to move into my pipeline and generate a, a, a big result for me. So lots of sales, lots of commissions. And then third, taking a, a little page out of your playbook is when you start segmenting your, your database, so your, your entire prospect world, um, so that you're, you're looking at your dream accounts, your dream clients, your dream opportunities, your conquest accounts, your targeted accounts, and then everything else. So I'll run through that real quickly. So your dream accounts, you're typically going to have somewhere between 10 and 25 dream accounts. These are the biggest opportunities, the highest potential opportunities in your territory, and everybody in your company should know about those. So you've got marketing behind you, so you can run account-based marketing against those. You can run long-term pursuit plans, uh, and you can you can do everything that you, you can to get in the door. It's going to take you a while and you won't sell all of them. You might sell one or two of your dream accounts a year, but they're so big that when you sell them, they propel you to the top of the ranking report. Conquest accounts are typically the deals. For me, they're competitive deals. So I want to take deals away from my competitors that have a long-term impact on my credibility. So if, if, I, if I say, for example, Anthony, you've got an account um, and you're, you know, you're in your business and I want that account, I'm going to align everything I can against that account so I can take it from you so I can go to other businesses and, and I can tell them, hey, I took this account. In some cases, it's an account in your territory that uh, may have a good reputation. So if you get that from a social proof standpoint, you're able to tell other businesses, hey, I have this particular account in my portfolio. Typically, you're going to have a around 50 to 100 conquest accounts, not too many more than that. And again, you can run good pursuit pursuit plans and sequences and cadences against those. And then there's targeted prospects. And these are the prospects that usually are going to be high potential, medium potential prospects. They're going to fit your ideal prospect profile. And 
you're going to have a group of those prospects that you're going to be working against all the time. And these are just your bread and butter everyday prospects. And typically, most salespeople are going to have somewhere between 250 and 1,000 of those, depending on the size of your territory. Uh, 500 and less is probably the best group to work with. And then with that group as well, you can rank those and you can run some cadences and pursuit plans against some of those accounts. Others trying to run that type of a pursuit plan is just too much energy, too much effort. So you can begin ranking all of your targeted prospects in a way that gets you in front of the right ones at the right time. And so if you just think about what I just said, becoming a rainmaker means that you have to have a systematic and methodical process for interrupting people. It's not just, let's get fired up and let's go out and knock on every single door. You got to have a plan. You have to have strategy. You got to be thinking about it and you got to be building your messages. And then you have to use every prospecting channel that you have at your disposal to get their attention, grab their attention and open up the door when that window of opportunity is at its peak. I'm going to pass this to Mark Hunter, but before I do, I just want to say you have a little uh, picture of a triangle, and and yes. what what Jeb is saying is that you're you're starting at the top of that triangle. Leads are the bottom of the triangle. The leads are at the bottom of the triangle. So when you shift your focus and go, well, leads got to be easier. Yeah, it probably is easier, but it probably isn't going to turn into anything. And let me let me just before we we move to Mark say say exactly what you said. And this is one of the when you start listening to these morons. Uh, on social media that are telling you not to prospect and telling you not to cold call, they totally don't get it. And because if you think about prospecting, about 20% of your prospecting is for right now. It's, it's engaging prospects who have some level of familiarity with you or your company, who you've been working on, and there's a buying window open, and you're trying to engage them, set an appointment, move them into your pipeline. About 80% of your prospecting is working on all those leads and you're gathering qualifying information and you're reaching into the organization, you're identifying stakeholders, you're beginning to build familiarity and you're starting to use the different tools like LinkedIn, which is a fantastic tool to connect with these folks. But that's a huge portion of your prospecting is that. And some of that is a pure cold call because at some point you've got to call people up and say hello to them. They're not going to come to you. So when you start thinking about your prospecting at the peak, all of those calls, all of that effort is to set the appointment. And then as you start moving down that prospecting pyramid, you're looking at how can I gather information that makes this particular prospect better, more qualified, or identifies a future buying window so that I can open the door, set the appointment at the right time. Mark, let me just jump in before you go. I want to pick up on something Jeb is saying. What drives me crazy is that the people online telling salespeople, gullible salespeople, the, 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 the stuff they want to hear is that prospecting doesn't work. They make cold calling into something that it's not. They, it's, like, it's like you're calling the phone book. Like you're being fed calls by an auto dialer, just random people calling them at home. What, what Jeb did a great job articulating is that we have to have a strategic finite list of accounts, ideal profile prospects that look and smell like people who get value from us. We're not calling the phone book. We've done the research. I love when Jeb says this. He says it all the time. You know, uh, researching isn't prospecting. Prospecting is prospecting. We do the research on the front end. So, so the people that set up, you know, this boogeyman uh, that cold calling doesn't work. Well, of course, if you're calling the phone book, it doesn't work. But if you're calling 100 or 200 strategically selected accounts that look exactly like customers who, who love you and appreciate your value, that's not the same thing. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, I, I think you, you, you hit on so many pieces there. And this is what, again, drives me nuts. First of all, let's, let's put LinkedIn in a box. Not everybody is on LinkedIn. 
There are segments that are on LinkedIn. Salespeople are on LinkedIn. I've got many, many buyers that are never on LinkedIn. So when these people are out there, uh, you know, hey, LinkedIn is where you get all your customers. If you're selling to other salespeople, oh, gee, I guess that's what they're doing. I guess that's what they do. Here's the whole piece. The whole piece is who am I spending my time with? And, and it comes back, and the whole thing is, is I got to understand the quality of what that prospect is. This is why I say too many people have prospects. No, they don't have prospects, they have suspects because they have not qualified them to the highest level of where they want to spend their time. The most valuable asset any salesperson has is not what they sell, is not their customers, it's their own time. And the peak performers, the top, the ones at the top of the food chain, they get it. So they are focused with their time on the highest performing salespeople who are who, on, on the highest performing customers that are gonna yield the greatest opportunity because they know that, A, this is a big opportunity and it fits in their timeline now. They're yeah. not sitting there. This is where so many salespeople burn themselves out prospecting. Well, they burn themselves out prospecting two ways because they spend all their time preparing to prospect. I'm preparing. Oh, oh, I, I set aside two hours to prospect. How many calls did you make? None. Because, well, I'm, I'm doing research. That uh, prospecting time is customer facing time. Second is they wear themselves out because they have no plan. You don't have a plan. Guess what? You are dead. You are DOA. And you know we're calling that out, and, and we're all being point blunt, blank, um, full throttle. And I know Anthony, you've got some comments because you know eat their lunch. What is eat their lunch all about? You need to jump in. You, you need to add some comments on this. My uh, my comments are that targets are just far better than leads, and I, I mean when Jeb when I first saw his triangle, it's exactly right. And and you you start with what's going to have the highest impact on your result. And if you want to know the best practices of organizations that we see, uh, certainly I see creating the most opportunities and the highest quality opportunities together. So if you're looking at those two two factors, it's because they know who they create value for. They know the kind of companies that have the kind of problems that they can solve and they dedicate all their time and energy into winning those. And, you know, I continually get this question, um, when do you give up on, on a difficult prospect to win? Like never, you don't get paid for giving up. You ever get a commission check? Like you worked really hard, but it didn't work out for you, but we're going to give you some money anyway, just for your effort. That's not the way that sales works. The way that sales works, you got to win them. And look, you're going to be prospecting anyway. I mean, what? so you're like, well, this one's really hard. They've been with this company for 10 years. It's going to be hard to win. You're making calls anyway. Well, I mean, what, what do you care if it takes you? Haven't we all had that experience where our best accounts took years, sure. years to wear them down? I mean, accounts that were multi-million dollar? I mean, yes. And that's why they are our best accounts, because it took forever. But once we captured them, we were able to hold on to them. All right, hang on. I got to call timeout. Everybody's fired up now. I knew, no, and I knew when story. I... You do that. Let me tell you the story because Mike said something. So last week I get a text message from Billy Henson. Billy, if you're watching this, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Billy used to work with me back in my days when I was at another company. <clears throat> and 18 years ago, Billy and I started pursuing this big um, equipment <laughs> manufacturer. And 18 years later, he finally closed it. And he sent me a text message to let me know. He said, after 18 years, we finally closed this and I want to celebrate with you. That's how long sometimes it takes to get your dream account. Did, yeah. did, was Billy getting paid in the interim 18 years for his effort? 
He was getting a salary for 18 years. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what, you know what Billy was doing, though? I, I'm sure Billy was also working other smaller customers. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, understanding sure. how to feed, how to feed the food chain. Oh, Billy's a remaker. Billy has a Rolex on his on his arm. He's got like he's got them all the way up his arm. <laughs> Into every president's club since he started with the company. Right, he's one of the greatest salespeople in the company. So he's not he's closing everything. He's selling everything he can along the way. Right, to work on those big opportunities that have identified as high potential accounts in his marketplace, and he starts focusing. So, on them. so he was not a prisoner of hope to that one deal. He was no. working all kinds of accounts at all different stages of the sales cycle, and as Mark was saying, small accounts, regular accounts. Let me make one point on, on leads and targets. When Mark was talking, this, this really came to me clearly. Um, I think one of the biggest sins in developing new business, because salespeople are doing the rain barrel thing, or they wait to chase an opportunity instead of trying to create an opportunity, they end up late. They, they're, they're last to the opportunity. They're late to the party. And everyone always wants to talk, I want a beautiful, warm, perfectly qualified lead. You know what happens when you have a perfectly qualified lead? That buyer is way down the path, right? Some other, your, your competitor's more proactive salesperson has been in there planting seeds, starting a relationship, shaping buying criteria. Would you, I, I think sometimes we're better off with, a, with a, a colder target where we go in and we play consultant and advisor and expert and we paint a picture of a better future. We ask great questions. We tell our story and then we're guiding them down the path to create an opportunity versus playing some other joker's game where now the buyer is dictating what they want and you show up and do your dog and pony show and, and do your demo. I don't know what you think of that, but I, I sometimes I think we're in a stronger position. Hang, hang, hang hey, on. I, I, I've lost control. I'm calling timeout. I knew this, <laughs> I knew this agenda was going to get everybody going, but we have to stop for just long enough to say that we have sponsors and we want to thank people for, for being generous enough to support us at this endeavor. And let's start with, uh, our friends at Outreach.io, and we're going to talk about sequences at some point uh, here in the future and how important they are. But uh, Outreach.io is a, a tremendous platform and somebody that we admire. We admire not only uh, the fact that they sponsored us, but a, as users, their their equipment there, their their software is great. Uh, the second one is Zoom Info. Uh, Zoom Info. If you're going to get data, this is where to get it. I mean, and and that is the end of the conversation. You don't need to say anything else. That is where to go to get data. Another great sponsor with a a great platform and a great offering, and we appreciate them sponsoring this. And you can see so far that two of uh, the sponsors have a lot uh, in common with us as it pertains to cold outreach. So we have cold outreach sponsors here too. And the last one is uh, our friends at Connect and Sell. And uh, we, we love what they do. And I will just tell you, if you don't follow uh, Chris on, on LinkedIn, you should, because he continues to put up data all the time on just how effective cold outreach can be with a telephone. And uh, there's so much hate that follows that. Well, you didn't do this. And then what about this other thing? And the data is just unassailable. You can't argue with it. So uh, thank you to our sponsors. We appreciate you helping us now. I'm going to call time back in, but I'm going to try to be careful about this because I lost control of the group here with these questions. Uh, Mark, you wanted to say something then back to Jeb. Yeah, yeah, real real, real quick. Sales managers, if if you are listening to this, and I hope you are, you got to understand you play a role in creating also incremental opportunities. I see too many sales managers only getting involved in the sales process uh, when it comes time to close a deal. I want you out there 
having conversations, having having dialogue, because you can ask questions that salespeople can't ask. You can walk into an existing account and ask questions, and you're going to uncover incremental opportunities with that other division they just bought. You're, you're, you're going to uncover incremental opportunities with a company that you didn't even realize they owned in another country. Sales leaders, you play a role in creating incremental opportunities. Okay, I'll get on. Okay, that Jeb, Jeb Blunt, uh, you were sort of leaning forward, maybe hovering off the ground a little bit, so I just slanting into the camera, so I know you have something to say. Well, I want to go back to what you were talking about, our sponsors, and and show you how in real life we become rainmakers, how we focus on outbound effort versus the rain barrel who has their mouth to the sky waiting for something to drop in. So I get a Google alert with my name on it, uh, and it's got uh, it's an article from this big association, and the 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 number one or the the association company of the year. There's an article about them, and my name's in the article. As I read the article, they say we've had the best year we've ever had, and one of the reasons why we had that best year is we use fanatical prospecting to help our sales team get better at prospecting. So I grabbed the article and immediately sat down with my sales team and says, hey, listen, we've got this, this industry that one of their top members, in fact, the member of the year who got the award, is a picture of them getting their trophy, uh, they use Fanatical Prospecting. So then we went to Zoom Info and we went and pulled a list of all of the businesses in that particular industry that do more than $10 million in sales. They gave us a fairly big list. We took that list and we loaded it into Outreach.io and we created a pursuit plan against those. And then we went to Connect and Sell and we used those, those leads in Connect and Sell to run an initial call campaign. So we cold called them completely out of the blue. But because there was some familiarity with who we are, we just called them up and said, hey, you're a member of the year, use fanatical prospecting. Can we have a conversation with you about how we can help you? Most of them didn't answer the phone. Some of them did. We left voice message, messages for the ones that didn't. Uh, connect and sell let, let, it get, let us get through the list really really quickly and then we went to a pursuit plan where we used email we used some account-based marketing we used some advertising against that particular list so that was pure marketing uh, then we used social media to get and connect with them and then we ran another call campaign and out of that call campaign of that group of, of businesses we ended up with 25 opportunities that are real and at least 10 of those are going to close and turn into business for us and that 10 businesses probably going to end up being somewhere between 200 150 and a half a million dollars in business for us and our entire effort and the entire process when I mean, we really start to look at it we probably invested I don't know 20 hours of work in the process but we used all of the tools that are out there available to us to put together a targeted list and then turn that targeted list into into tar into qualified prospects and then turn those qualified prospects into deals and I, this is the difference between being a rainmaker and a rain barrel. The rain barrel is sitting around going, well, nobody's calling today. And the rainmakers are out there making it happen. And they're paying attention to the signals in the marketplace and using the tools that they have available for the, to, to them to go in and reach out and interrupt these strangers and start a dialogue that can help those, those businesses improve their, their outcomes as well. Let me uh, take that and pivot, and I'm going to go first on this one because I want to talk about um, the the order in which we do things in prospecting and the sequence or the cadence of a pursuit plan. And then I want to ask uh, you to share your your opinions on these things. Anthony, let me just jump in one second because I was some people probably saw me shaking my head while Jeb was talking. It wasn't what Jeb was saying. I, I was literally sitting here getting pissed off 
at the charlatans and the liars in our industry because Jeb just told you an incredible story how using all methods necessary focused around prospecting drove incredible business. And the four of us know this because we have real clients, right? The top producers and all of our clients are perpetually prospecting. I've got a little SaaS client, you know, and they do everything they can to do inbound marketing and they go to trade shows and they got white papers. You know what the truth is? 80% of their freaking deals last year were self-generated by salespeople picking up the phone and creating discovery meetings on their own. So, the, so those of you just that, that don't understand why we fight so hard online and we attack and we're not anti-social. Social helps all of us, but it's the morons lying to you. They're totally untethered from the truth telling you that prospecting doesn't work when I'm in company after company after company. And so are these guys where well, we see prospecting work. Jeb just told you a story how it works in his own company. So just be very careful who you listen to. And Mark Hunter says this, Mark, I mean, I, I quote you all the time. It's in the first chapter of my new book. You can't take likes to the bank. And these morons who, who think they're going to help people write articles every day on LinkedIn, <laughs> when you criticize these very sensitive, weird, nouveau experts and say, I'm not so sure you're telling people the right thing. They always point back to how many likes their articles get as if that's the credibility thing. Like you can, and Mark, what do you always say? You can't take, you can't take clicks and likes to the bank, period. Boom. Sorry. I, I had to get that out because Jeb's story was just so on target. I, we I, are rainmakers, not sitting around waiting for a rain barrel. I, I just drafted a simple agenda. I thought it was going to be a, a rousing conversation and I have uh, no idea what kind of hell I've just unleashed uh, on the VSK 2019. But it will be entertaining for all of you here, I'm certain. Oh, it's believe me, it's it it's lighting up social media. <laughs> um, I think that there's a, a a method that something like outreach enables. And for me, um, I, I did a demo with them, and I wrote uh, an, a, a blog post about their their picture. I actually used a picture of their their sequence that outreach actually uses. So talk about people. Uh, believing what they believe, they actually use their own product prospect. And when they pulled the screen up, I said, Who's, whose account is that? And they said, that's our account. And I'm like, oh, okay. It had 20,000 companies in a campaign. Uh, 18,000 of them had already gone through the campaign and it resulted in something like 4,500 two-way conversations. But the first line was an email. And, I, and the email garnered something like out of 18,000 emails that were sent, maybe 45 had two-way communication. So it was a very, very small number. But then they made a phone call next and 1,500 people had two-way communication on the, the, the phone. And the first question I asked was, why didn't you just start with a phone call? I mean, it, it did so much better as a first volley. And, and the person giving me the demo said, I don't know, we just always start with an email. And, and I think it's kind of the world that we live in right now that people think email is prospecting. And they think that they're email prospecting. And now we've got all of Silicon Valley who's decided that we can automate prospecting by sending people emails. And on one email I got last year, somebody said, uh, I believe I can help your business. Click on these links to see what we do to help companies like yours. I didn't reply. A couple weeks later, I got another email and it had the first email pasted in behind it to say, just wanted to make sure you didn't miss this. And uh, I did miss it. I intentionally missed it. So I missed it again by hitting delete. And then I got the third one that said, you know, this is really important and blah, blah, blah. And I hope you go back and read these other two emails. And I replied back and said, um, you should read my friend Jeb Blunt's book, Fanatical Prospecting, because what you're doing isn't really working for you. And you might want to 
take another approach. And I got an email back from the salesperson that said, I didn't even send you any emails. That all came from our chief marketing officer. And I had no idea who you were until I got your email. And, and that's, that's what people actually think prospecting is. That's what we're up against in this conversation is that it doesn't require any human effort. Uh, you can just be a rain barrel and wait until somebody clicks on one of those links. And then if I would have clicked on the link, they would have said, I'm an interested lead of some kind. But I think that you start with the phone because the phone gives me a chance to ask for a meeting. And then if you say, I didn't hear enough value in trade for what you asked me for, I get a chance to have another run at it. When I send an email, you're not even there to be involved in the conversation at all. So I think that the email comes first and you leave a voicemail and you don't tell anybody to call you back because they're not calling you back, but you leave your phone number. You say, I followed up with an email and then I'm going to try to reach out to you again next week. And you do that a number of weeks in a row and, and you don't try to automate this and you don't expect anybody to pick up the phone and call you back because you're trying to get them to give you their business. They're not trying to hire you. So it's incumbent upon you. And if you decide, well, I sent this and if they want to talk to me, I'll wait for them to call back. There's no waiting in sales. There's no waiting. So for me, I think it's phone first. You can follow it up with voicemail and email. You do that a few weeks in a row. And then after that, you can start going to LinkedIn and you can start trying to nurture the relationship. So I wanted to say one thing about the myths. The myth is that social is for selling and social is for nurturing. It's above the funnel. It does a lot to shape, but you're not asking for anybody. You're not asking anybody for anything when you're on social. It doesn't work that way. So I'm going to go to, uh, oh, I guess I'm going to Mark first because he can't, he can't restrain himself. <laughs> I, I put the comment out in a blog post the other day that I said social selling is neither. It's neither social, it's neither selling. And it, believe me, it, it lit up unbelievably. But he, here's this whole thing. People have to understand it is the telephone. The telephone, And those who are sitting there saying the telephone doesn't work are the people who are afraid. I got to share a quick story. I had a gentleman who called me, insurance agent. He's been in my coaching program for a long time. His son, 21-year-old son, coming into the business. He says, I got to teach him how to sell insurance over the phone. Kid was absolutely afraid, absolutely afraid. Just got done coaching him. We were doing a, an hour a week and, and just got done with him. And the kid is crushing it on the telephone. Don't tell me that you can't make phone calls. This is a 21-year-old kid going to college part-time, crushing it on the telephone, selling insurance. Give me a break, people. Jeb Blunt, we're going uh, from left to right on my screen. I, I hear people tell you the phone doesn't work. And typically, um, my response is nobody answers a phone that doesn't ring. And then they say, well, nobody wants to be called, right? Nobody, nobody wants to take a phone call from a salesperson. That is the, one of the arguments from one of the charlatans who says he's an international best-selling author and nobody's read the son of a bitch's book. Excuse my language. We're giving you a pass. We're giving you, it's, a, it's mostly a family-friendly show, but in this, the point that you're no, making, I think we're it emotional. Helps. We're emotional. So, so then, so then it, people say, "Well, nobody wants to get a call from a salesperson," and I say, "Well, no shit, Sherlock. Nobody wants to get a call from a salesperson. If people wanted to get call from salespeople, there wouldn't be salespeople. They would all be calling you, but they're not calling you." But the reason we have rainmakers is they're interrupting people that don't want to be interrupted because you don't want to be interrupted and I don't want to be interrupted. That's tough. So you got to have a good message when you call. Now, the, this, this idea that the phone doesn't work, I'm going to give you a, a case study, real case study out of our playbook. Um, and this, by the way, happened two weeks ago. One of my trainers walked into a room full of 90 
U.S. Army recruiters. So there's 90 recruiters in the room. These guys are calling 17 and 18 year olds. Okay, so the the generation that are the native, um, you know, tech people who none of them would ever take a phone call. This is the myth, right? And we walked in, and my recruiter or my my trainer gives an order. You have 15 minutes to make 15 dials and set one appointment. And of course, they start grousing. Why are we calling? Nobody answers the phone. They're, you know, this is stupid. Well, why don't we send some text messages, hang out on Facebook? And the reason why we're there is because all these soldiers, these recruiters, are hanging out on Facebook. So my trainer gives the order one more time. 15 minutes, 15 dials, one appointment, go. 15 minutes later, this battalion of military recruiters had set more appointments in 15 minutes than they had in the previous three weeks on the telephone. And we have them on film. Like we, 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 my, my camera guys are there taking a picture of them, and they're all just, they can't believe that when they call people, they actually answer. But the thing is, this phone right here, one more call, um, is with you all the time. It is hanging on these 17-year-olds' hips. They sleep with their phones. I know my kid sleeps with his phone. So the phone is attached to people. So more people are answering the phone than ever before. And oh, by the way, people are sending emails. And I'll give you one more example, Anthony, from, from what you said. We had a, one of our software clients, a little SaaS company, and they were going after new accounts. And they were pulling these lists off of Zoom Info, and they were doing email campaigns to them. And it was the same thing you saw. Like they were getting no return. In fact, they were sending like eight emails in a row and nothing was happening. And I just asked the question, why aren't you just picking up the phone and calling them? Why don't we just call? And they said, well, we need to warm them up. <clears throat> so after eight emails, you've just pissed them off. I mean, you know, they're not going to talk to you anyway because you've, you know, you've, you've, you've spammed them. So we took a different tack. We got them all together, did the same thing. We took 30 minutes and we made 30 outbound dollars just as fast as we possibly could. And they were amazed at how many people they talked to and they had a two-way conversation with. And the thing is, is the phone, is, it's so easy. You pick up the phone, there's a person on the other end, you say hello, and now you're talking to a human. And the last time I checked, sales is human to human. It's people helping other people. And you can't do that via email and you certainly can't do that on social media. And I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with social media. I think LinkedIn is one of those tools that is, you know, it, it, the car, the phone, the internet, Google, LinkedIn. I think it all fits together, CRMs. Uh, but for someone to tell you that the phone doesn't work, they're lying to you. They're lying to you because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And they're a bunch of losers who are unwilling to pick up the phone, interrupt people and make it rain. I just uh, trademarked two more calls. I, I'm, I'm going to be even more aggressive than Jeb. I mean, one more call is good, but two more calls is even better. I just trademarked three more calls. <laughs> hey, let me, can I talk about voicemail real quick? I, I just want to pick up on where Jeb was going and what you guys started. Anyone who really prospects a lot knows this. You can be building a relationship with someone who has not yet returned your call. We earn a callback or we earn the meeting with perseverance and creativity, right? And it, you got to keep dripping and dripping and dripping. And if you have good voice tone and you drip little value nuggets on somebody, right, good things happen. And we all have experienced this. You leave someone four or five good messages, very often they actually will call you back. And you know how they start the, the, the phone call when they get back with you? What do they say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry it took me so long to respond. Thank you for your persistence. And then who's got the leverage in that conversation, right? When you're good at this, it works. But you have to put in the effort. You have to sharpen your messaging. You have to be creative. And you got to stick with it. You earn the appointment by perseverance. 
Okay, don't leave because we're going to our final question here. What is your very, very best single piece of advice for making 2019 your best sales year ever? Me? I'm, lim- I'm limiting you to one. Your best advice. Can I split it in two? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I can stop you, so yes. I'll be really brief. It's two things. More strategic targeting and more time put against those strategic targets. Everyone wants to talk about all the crazy nebulous and you know, sales nerdy stuff. The clients that I have that have transformed their results, the people are laser focused on a strategic finite list of accounts. They could be prospects or they could be growable customers. There's a whole lot of people managing territories or books of business. They, they're just doing the milk run and they babysit and they overserve. If you manage existing accounts, you've got to decide which of those are growable. And spend more time working those. Stop bringing donuts to your friends and go call on the hard customers or the non-customers. That's part one. And part two is take back your calendar and stop starting every day in your inbox and looking to be good corporate citizen stuff and decorate for parties. Spend time selling. Make a list and spend more time selling. You'll have a great year. You got to get out of decorating for the holidays. Uh, Jeb Blunt. In, in this book, uh, Objections, it's right next to me. By the way, this is coming out on audio uh, in a couple of weeks. So you want to check Audible and pick up this book. That was a gratuitous book plug, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> that's my one tip. Read Objections. Uh, so uh, in this book, I, I tell the story at the very beginning of the book about a guy named Richard. This guy called me 71 times. 71 times. Now, he left a lot of those were voicemail messages. Um, he sent me a dozen emails. Um, he talked to everybody in my company. He stalked me on LinkedIn, um, but he called and called and called and called and called. I was sitting in my office, um, just I, I had one of those rare days where I was off the road, and the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was this guy, and I, I recognized his voice. And like he'd been so persistent that I couldn't say to him, no. Like I couldn't, I couldn't not, not have a conversation with him. So I said, hey, Richard, I, I got a few minutes. Why don't you tell me what you got? 71 calls. The call ended with him having my credit card in his hands. And, um, and he, um, he had my business and still has my business. So my tip for you this year, if you want to make it rain, is be persistent. One call is not enough. One touch is not enough. One email is not enough. One knock is not enough. You have to be persistent. You have to be relentless. And the one thing that I can tell you is that people who are at the top of these companies who buy from you, they absolutely, they absolutely respect relentless because they want people like you on their sales team. And when you're relentless and you're persistent, they will do business with you. I'm uh, not going to plug my book like Jeb or anything like that. I'm just going to pass it over to Mark Hunter. That's all. Well, I'm going to say that book objections is probably has one of the best forwards that's ever been written, <laughs> but that's a separate, that's a separate piece. Hey, hey here's the whole thing. Some of the best advice you're ever going to find is in your shower. Now, Anthony, you're excluded from this, but it's on that bottle of shampoo where it says rinse and repeat rinse. Rinse does not mean you put the same shampoo for the person who sends that email. Gee, Let me send this email to you again. Let me send it to you again. It was a stupid email. Rinse. You put new shampoo in your hair each time. You you rinse, new message, new value. Repeat, repeat, repeat. The greatest opportunity you're ever going to have is to allow people who aren't expecting you, aren't expecting your call, to help them see and achieve what they did not think was possible. That's what being a rainmaker is all about. 
Because these people are not sitting there, oh, well, gee, I need to go find this. That's what a rain barrel is. We're helping people see and achieve what they did not think was possible. That doesn't, that doesn't juice you up. That doesn't jazz you. I'm sorry. You shouldn't be in sales. But that's why we're in sales because it's about helping people. I love it. Anthony. All right. My best piece of advice is have something good enough to trade for the time that you're asking when you're making these cold outreach. So that means get the business acumen, get a deep understanding, go in as a trusted advisor, as consultative. And I just want to continue to push on this idea of consultative because again, you have the myth makers out there telling people that it means that you're not high pressure, you're not hard sell, you ask really good questions. That's not what it means. Consultative means you tell people how to better run their business and produce better results than they're producing now. And if you don't have the opinion as to what they should be doing and you haven't done your homework, then it's harder for you to get that meeting. So do the work to have the business acumen. Make sure you show up with something that somebody would gladly trade 30 minutes to hear from you. Okay, this is the end of VSK 2019, but don't go anywhere because this is the after show. But let me start uh, the after show by again saying thank you to Outreach.io, our sponsor here. If you're looking at sequences, that's the place to go. If you need something to drop into Outreach.io, go to our sponsor, Zoom Info. If you want to accelerate the time it takes you to reach people on the phone, then you go to Connect and Sell. And Jeb, at some point, this will be on uh, some platform where people can watch a replay. If you need to listen to what Jeb describes so that you know how to do this and how it works, you just go back over this ground here because it's going to accelerate your results uh, dramatically. So the sequences work no matter what you use. But if you're going to do something with a piece of software, it's outreach.io, Zoom Info, Connect and Sell. Okay, and this concludes BSK 2019. Stay tuned for the after show. This is the after show. Welcome to VSK 2019 Behind the Scenes with Mark Hunter, Jeb Blunt, and Mike Weinberg. Here we go. Okay, now it's the after show. So now it's a free for all. Hey, this was the best VSK yet. I mean, guys, I mean, I'll tell you what um, terrific commentary from everybody. Loved it. I, I credit the agenda. I give it all to you. All to you. <laughs> you know, we look up to you, Anthony, because you, you are AI. You were artificial intelligence before there was artificial intelligence. When you start with the prompt that says, dispel the myths about how opportunities are created, and, and Mike Weinberg's holding up his Sales Truth book cover uh, there at the end of this, which I got to see. Can I, just, can I hold it up one more time? Yeah, you can yeah. hold it up one more time. So, hey, yeah. Debunk the myths in, in the subtitle. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? And I, uh, Jeb actually uh, was referring to the same international best-selling author, that I, I have a whole page in, in, in the book on that person and, and his quotes because it's so disingenuous. More there, people will there, read that page than read his book. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, there should be some nervous people when that book comes out because if you've been posting stuff on LinkedIn that's not true, there's a very good chance that I quoted you and we're going we're gonna to expose the truth. Um, and then we're going to give a lot of practical ways that people are creating opportunities and and becoming rainmakers and top producers. Hey, you called out Kylie Jenner really, really quickly. I, I called Kylie Jenner out because there's a social selling expert who decided that she was a role model for business to business sales. And uh, <laughs> it, it, the, the post on LinkedIn actually said something to the effect, um, do, you, do you still not believe that social sales 
social selling produces real sales. Kylie Jenner increased her net worth to $900 million using social channels. You think she cold called her way to that net worth? And I'm well, th- and I literally, I mean, I want you to think of how, how lost someone must be to write that. Like, are you, are you going to go to your pharmaceutical client or your defense client or your construction company client or your dealership that sells heavy equipment or my consulting firm and use her? I mean, she's the example. Her posting selfies on Instagram is, is the model we're going to preach if I'm a digital sales transformation company and I'm out telling people this is, I'm, I'm writing articles telling people this is what you should do. Are you freaking kidding me? They don't even I, know what Instagram is. I get to see all of the three of your Instagram, so I can tell you it's it's not like uh, Kylie Jenner, who I don't know that I would recognize if uh, she was in front of me. So crazy stuff. But let's let's look at the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is that if you are a expert, let's just say you've had one sales job in your life, you didn't do a very good job at that. You decided it was hard, so you decided that hey, I'm gonna be an expert. Look, it's really easy to look like Brad Pitt when you're texting on the internet in your basement. Okay, it's really easy to you know hop on uh, you know hop on social media, put up a bunch of memes, get a bunch of likes. People like you, and you can say you know I'm I'm an expert. I'm you know this is what I do, and then you tell everybody that what you're doing, posting stuff on LinkedIn, getting a lot of attention. Well, that's what salespeople should do it because that's how you 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 see all the attention that you're getting. And, and, and I say this because if you think about, you know, me or Mark or Mike or Anthony, you know, in our small niche of sales, we're public figures. I've written 10 books. I get paid to go stand in front of audiences and give speeches. And I post things online because it creates this aura of expertise and people see me and people follow me. And I use that to draw people in so that I can go sell more of me. Uh, but on the back end, what you don't see is that I have 17 people in my company. Uh, about 70% of those people are trainers. And I have a sales team who the, the, the other 30% who are on the phone, banging the phone, reaching out, calling people so that we can get those folks booked into companies and we can sell stuff. And for me, as an author and a public figure in, in our space, in our small space, Social media is, is important because I use it as an advertising, as a marketing medium, not but as a marketing medium. But that's it, Jeb. It, it, it's content marketing. You're doing it, content marketing. But, it, but the thing is, is that we have, to, we have to understand that just because I'm doing that doesn't mean that, you know. You're not doing other things. You know, right. selling industrial parts for a company or selling software or doing this or doing that, that that's going to work for them too because it's not. I mean, you know, there's one or two people here and there that have, you know, sort of made a name for themselves online. Um, but even those people, it doesn't work very long. I can think of one person in particular um, who, you know, had a, you know, made a big splash as a social selling person who can't even keep a job because that doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work if you can't produce something. So when you hear people saying that, you have to take it in context. Yes, for that human being, they think, wow, this is what everybody should be doing because I'm getting all this attention. But that's not the reality for most salespeople, nor is the reality, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, of telling salespeople they need to be blogging more, they need to be writing more, they need oh, to be no. more content. Because like, they don't know how to do that. And, and I know that there are marketers and companies everywhere that are like, they're rolling over in their grave every time someone puts out content that doesn't connect with the brand. Do you even see the two words social and selling 
anymore in your feed at all? I, I still see it. I, I still see it pop up in LinkedIn posts and so forth. And it so there, there's there's three to five people that continue to to use that 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 terminology, right. but there's not more than that. There, there's there's no more attention being paid to it. But it's, but but you yeah. know what the new term is? Digital selling. They're they're calling it digital selling, and it's because social selling didn't work. So now let's call it digital selling. Hey, let's. Shift gears a little bit because this is the after the show. Isn't this what Outbound's all about? I, I mean, the four go of us going at it. I yeah. mean, the four of us. I mean, you know, we we blocked some time for us to have kind of the battle of the titans, and wow, this is going to be huge at Outbound. But let's. I don't want to. I don't want to wipe. I don't want to tell people that social media is a bad thing because it's it's it, LinkedIn is a it's a tremendous tool, and. It, there's a lot of ways that you can use LinkedIn to create familiarity, to um, connect with people, to watch what they're doing, to look for signals, but it's part of a greater system. The yeah, that for the social sellers is they tell you only use this, right. don't right. Use this, and then and then when they're called out on the carpet, they go, well, I didn't say that using the telephone isn't a good thing. You should use the telephone, but we need to warm everything up. And that's what the rain barrels are doing. They're waiting for everything to get warmed up. So there's the perfect time when the person comes to them. So I, I want to be clear that the four of us are not telling you that, that digital tools are not a good thing. They're brilliant. They can make life so much easier. But you as the rainmaker, you have to do the outreach. You have to be outbound. You have to go out and build your pipeline. In, fra- in fact, great transition. Jeff, that's what outbound is about. Right. And Jeff you, Jeff, you say this all the time. Every appropriate, ethical, effective means necessary. You're the one that always throws smoke signals in there, right? But let, I mean, let's, let, let's be clear about, about the way that the argument has been made because none of us have ever said anything except omni-channel. Every, every single medium available to you, everything that you can possibly do, you do it. But the, the people who have decided that social selling is a thing have, have been very, very clear that the phone is not one of those choices. So you can never make cold outreach. You can never pick up the phone. You're never to interrupt another human being. They said that that's what social selling meant. For us, we've never told anybody not to use the tools or to use them well. I think, in my own opinion, I think it's all above the funnel. I think it's all nurture. I think it's all shaping mindshare. I don't think you're asking anybody for anything, so it's not prospecting for me. Because if I'm truly prospecting, I'm asking somebody for a meeting. And I'm not asking you for a meeting on Twitter. And I'm not asking you for a meeting on LinkedIn. I might nurture the relationship there. But if I'm asking you, I'm asking you on the phone because that's the greatest likelihood of me being able to gain a meeting in the first place. So I, I just want to remember, we didn't draw a line that said, look, you can only use the phone. And none of us only use the phone. We all use the phone and we use every other choice too. But the fact of the matter is when they framed it up that way, the reason it died and the reason it's not relevant anymore is because it did say this is now the only way to prospect and you wait for inbound leads to come to you by talking to people online. And you should be, if you're a field salesperson, you should be going out and walking in the doors. When you go to your appointment, right, you should, you should do a T-call. Look to your left, look to your right, look behind you and knock on all those doors and say hello to those folks. You know, when you're in-person prospecting, it's about what you ask, right? When you're on the telephone, it's about what you say, but you should be doing that too. But there are morons out there telling people that you don't even have to do that anymore because people don't care about the relationship. So take all your field salespeople, the people that create relationships with your customers, just take them off the street and we'll get a, a robot to do all the work for you. And the smart companies are not buying into that. In fact, the smart companies are putting more people on the street to have human-to-human conversations 
because that's what works. This is personal. I, I just had a vision of Outbound 2020. It's a giant Pentecostal tent. And Jeb is going to come out carrying snakes in both hands, right? And uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're going to get religion. Hey, uh, a real quick side note. You know, we got to do a shout out for millennials because they're doing a good thing for us in sales. Millennials are about authenticity and transparency. How do I get that? By having the relationship, by picking up the phone and having the conversation. Authenticity and transparency. I'm not going to get that by just posting stuff on the internet and, and, and waiting for things to happen. No. Can, can I shift this to outbound for just a minute? Okay. Uh, I continue to get uh, emails and some tweets and some DMs on Twitter uh, from people who are trying to understand uh, what happened to outbound. So uh, year one, there's four of us, the, this four. And then year two, there's four of us. And then year three, there's 21 of us. <laughs> is that what happened? Uh, is there 21 in, in that neighborhood? And the, the main stage has now got uh, Colleen Francis, Victor Antonio, Waldo Waldman, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andrea Waltz, and Bob Burke. That's the main, that's the main stage over the first uh, two days with the four of us. So there's 10, 10 on the main stage. And, and people who thought, okay, that was good with four of us, are stunned at the main stage. Is this the best main stage in the history of sales conferences? Yes, without a doubt. Yeah, and we doubled, and we doubled the number of days for the main stage and barely even increased the price. I mean, and it's, it's, all, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the most ridiculous value. And period. it's all content driven. It's not a pitch fest. Content driven. Well, that's the, that's the, the question that I get from people all the time is, is this going to be like those other conferences that I go to where, you know, there's um, somebody up on the stage rambling on about their product and it's basically a veiled commercial. And then there are people in the, you know, the audience pitching everybody in the audience. And when you walk out, there's this whole pitch about, you know, some financial instrument or, or, or you know, some, something else. And, uh, and I just say, no, the, the, the reason that Outbound is different is because of that. The reason that we don't have 50 sponsors like most of the conferences do uh, we make our, our we are able to pay for the the the, the conference and, and make a little bit of money uh, on the on the ticket sales and and by the way for everybody listening um, I think it's important to say that every dime that the outbound is produced and it just, it's it's kind of a, almost of a break in break even conference and we do it because we love sales but every dime of that has been used to build the next year's conference and make it bigger. Um, rather than to put money in our pockets. And it's not that we're not capitalists because we are stone cold capitalists, but it's because we made a decision to make an investment in the sales world and deliver real content and real training and get rid of the pitch and, and change the, the shape of sales conferences so that you don't have to go to someplace and endure, you know, eight hours of people throwing commercials at you. What's uh, funny, I got one email from a guy who, when I sent out an email about the no pitching rule, when we were selling tickets because we are capitalists and we do actually sell things and we're not ashamed by selling things naturally. And he said, uh, you just pitched me. And I said, yes, I did. But I didn't make you pay to come into a room where I could pitch you. That's the difference. I'm pitching you. This is free for me to pitch you here because it's an email, but I didn't make you give me $599 to sit in a room and be pitched. It's a very, very different model that we're operating. Yeah, I I had, what, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Uh, I, I had lunch the other day with 
a gentleman who just went to two very big events. First word out of his mouth for both of them, pitch fest, pitch fest. And he was asking me about outbound. We're going to pitch you on prospecting. We're going to pitch you on building a pipeline, and we're going to pitch you on being more productive with your time. That's what you're going to get pitched on. Mike, Mike Weinberg? Mike. Yeah, I mean, so many thoughts. Uh, look at the people we've invited to join us. I mean, this is, it's, an, it's just an unbelievable lineup. This week is the highlight of the year for the four of us. It is so much fun and so energizing, and it's exhausting. Like, Anthony, you said this in one of your emails where you're promoting the conference. We don't hide in the back. We're not sitting in some green room. We are running around the auditorium. We're taking selfies. We're signing books. We're laughing. We're interacting with people. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, it, it is so much fun. And I think one of the best testimonials of the value that Outbound has created are the number of people that are coming back for the third time. Yeah. You so don't come back to a conference. I mean, it, it, think about what that says to hear from the same people again because because you didn't get value. It says it says everything you want. And a lot, you know, this year we have more time because we got the two days. I'm bringing some fresh material that no one's ever heard before, right? We all have new books. So there'll be some of the tried and true things, but there's going to be some brand new content you've never heard from us before because we want to share it with you people that are coming. And we're pumped. And the other main stage speakers are pumped. I mean, I I tell you what, I can't go a couple days without getting a note from whether it be Colleen or somebody um, saying how much they are looking forward to it. Uh, uh, Waldo popped me a couple notes this week. He popped me a couple text messages. I mean, this is the sales event. And if you don't know who these people are, go out and check them out on Amazon or check them out on Google. Uh, these people crush it, crush it. But I want to I get beyond the main stage because I think one of the things that we've, we, we did last year that was incredibly successful, we, we're, we've blown that out this year, are the elite sessions. So the elite sessions are the third day. They're the last day. And we're going to have... 20 uh, training uh, sessions, 90 minute training sessions with some of the top sales trainers in the entire world. People like Lee Sauls, uh, Jennifer Gluckow, Bernadette McClellan, uh, Gene McNaughton, uh, and Sam Richter, who was incredible. Uh, and you go check Sam out. You'll, you'll, you'll want to go to his event. Uh, the four of us uh, and, and, and many, many, many more. Uh, we're going to have these 90 minute sessions and there's space in between the session. We, we did this intentionally so that when you get done, you don't have to go immediately to the next session. You can stick around and have a conversation with the trainer. And, uh, and if you've got questions or you want to interact and, and we see that some of these things go a little bit longer. Um, we got James Muir, Larry Levine, Sherry Leviton. I mean, all of these people coming in. And if you get the elite session, all of those sessions will also be recorded so that you can later on go back and watch them again so you have access to it long term. So not only do you get the two days of the main stage with these amazing speakers, but you also get a full day of sales training. And this, by the way, is why you want to bring your entire team. Your entire team can come in. You can actually bring your, you know, your company. This can be their sales kickoff, and you're going to get – a breadth of sales training and have access to it after the event that will help your team get better in 2019. In fact, this is the key to becoming rainmakers in 2019 is learning these skills that these great speakers and trainers will be teaching you. Just uh, one, one quick thought on what you said. I want to be clear so people understand what you just said um, in, in a very, very practical, tactical way. You have to choose which sessions you go to. They're, they're running at the same time. 
And people last year, if we got one complaint on the complaint card, it was like, why did you make me choose between seeing Jeb or seeing Sherry Levitin? You made me pick. And, and there's only so much room. You don't have to pick. I mean, you go to the one that you want to go to while you're there, but you're going to get to see the other ones. They're, they're, you're, you're going to have access to all of them. So you'll get to see each one of them and you're going to be able to go back over that content and there's some other goodies for, for those of you that are looking at it and now would be the time to look at it because the hotels are filling up um elite tickets you guys also get better seats there there's preferential seating it's, it's a different level of swag stuff it's it's quite the value because you're getting three full days and better reserved seating and apparently we're not afraid to pitch are we i guess we're pitching right well, I- you know what, though? You know, also, though, we outgrew hotels. That's why we're now in the Georgia World Congress Center. We're in the convention center. I mean, you can't get bigger than that. But I think the whole thing, because we're out in the audience all the time, I mean, we're out there beforehand. We're out there. Uh, again, it's still going to have that very much personable feel all the way step, through. Step in, repeat. Bring, yeah. bring your, uh, your yeah. cell phone. We're taking selfies. But you're talking to everybody. There's, there's no place to hide. We're all going to be right there uh, hanging out with you. But Mike, okay, I, well, wait a minute. I got to talk to Mike for a second. So you're out. Um, so Mike, there is one ticket we didn't talk about. One badge. The, it's just, oh, right? oh, it's, oh. It's, I'm it's, looking for my Porsche thing. <laughs> it's at my happy place. Go ahead, Jeb. Go ahead. It's, it's the black badge uh, with a circle on it that says VIP. Um, it's really special. We, on the day before the Outbound Conference starts, a group of uh, 50 VIPs will be gathering at the Porsche Experience Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Mike uh, did the legwork to get this set up because he's a Porsche enthusiast. Um, he is, I think his car costs $200,000. I'll um, be right. I'm going to be right back. I got a prop to get for you. Hang on. That's what, that's what rainmakers do, by the way. Rainmakers buy $200,000 cars. Uh, and so you're going to spend an afternoon with us uh, in peak performance workshops and mastermind groups, working together, these ultra high performers of ultra high performance, and and th- these are leaders and salespeople from across the globe who are coming in. And there's just a handful of badges available. They will be gone, I promise you, after this webinar is over, because they always are. As soon as the VSK is over, all of the VIP tickets are gone. So as soon as you see this, you want to go to outboundconference.com. That's outboundconference.com and pick up your VIP ticket. You get an amazing swag bag. You get front row special seating. You get a VIP lunch. You get the VIP mastermind group and reception at the Porsche Experience Center in Atlanta. Uh, you get uh, you get special access to all of the speakers. And I got to tell you, there's nothing in the world like walking in and you got that black badge on, and you walk to the front of the room, and it's all it's all you know uh, sectioned off, and nobody can get in there except for the VIPs. That's when your shoulder goes up, that's when your chin goes up, and that's when you know that you're a rainmaker when you've achieved that level. So um, there are a handful of tickets left. I think there are seven I left. I sold one yesterday. I, I, I got a call from somebody that said we left yeah. somebody off the list. I got to go get another one. I, I just want to say this, that, that Porsche experience center place, it's my happy place. I've been there three times. You can go drive on the track. There's a Porsche museum and uh, I'll just show you guys this now. Uh, I'm going there on March 19th to pick up my new car. And uh, I finally kind of custom custom order exactly what I wanted. And I'll be there for a whole day getting driving lessons and they make a great deal. That, we're going to have such a good time on that, on that opening day of Outbound with the VIPs. 
uh, the workshop, the setting, the museum, I mean, where we're having the reception is this unbelievable area. It's just gorgeous. You can watch people on the track. Some people may even go out a day early and actually use the track. Just, I, it's, it's the best value, but I, I think there's only seven tickets left, so move quickly, move quickly. You know, it's right. cool that, that we got people coming from South America. I, I think I sent you guys that note, that guy from Chile bought the ticket. We got South America coming. We got Asia coming. We got Australia coming. We got Europe coming. Uh, huge. I think huge. we have India coming now, yeah, too. India. Yeah, just, just that, would be Asia. that would yeah. be Asia. I had my outbound suit made in Hong Kong. It's coming. I love it. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. I hope it's red. No, it's, uh, it's, it's blue and uh, with orange checks in it. Um, and, and you open it up, it, it's, it's got an orange interior, orange lining, and it says one more call in really big letters on, on, on the inside, like a cape. <laughs> Love it. The cape. The cape. I can't wait to see this. The dream coat. The dream coat. I actually went and met Mr. Lee, who is, uh, who is manufacturing it. They've been sending me uh, videos, little video clips on uh, WhatsApp uh, of, of them sewing all the pieces of my suit together. Uh, so it's been a it's been a pretty cool thing. I got a video I'll put up later on uh, on going there and uh, and meeting Mr. Lee and picking out the fabric. I want to hear about that. That sounds really cool. Really yeah. cool. All right, gentlemen. At some point, we have to call an end to this. People need to get to work. We need we need salespeople to get need off, to go get start off this thing and go pick up the phone. the phone. That's right. It's time to start dialing just like that. Hit the buttons. Uh, this is VSK 2019, the after show. Thank you for staying here with us. Uh, all of the links will be available to you. So when you, you get a, a note from us, you'll have a replay. If you want to watch the replay, we'll send you to outreach.io. We'll send you to zoom info. We'll send you to connect and sell. We'll send you to the outbound conference. And again, last, uh, last call here on VIPs. These are going fast. So, uh, get them while you can. And, uh, thank you gentlemen for being here and I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta.